You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. You have entered the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast, the show for the 40 and 50 year old pursuing their next adventure. I'm your host, Scott Kokenauer, and I'm happy that you're here. How open are you to the possibility that what's working in your life right now has nothing to do with you? How open are you to the possibility that what's not working has everything to do with you? How open are you to the possibility that where you are today can be 100% attributed to your choices. And how about this? When you blame others, you give up the right to improve. This is what we're going to discuss on this episode of the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast. The questions I opened with were inspired by a colleague that I was talking with recently. Choices. For me to sit here and tell you that we make dozens of choices every hour probably comes as no surprise. You've already made a choice to wake up, what clothes you're going to wear, the cereal you chose to eat, and when you when to leave for work. Many, many choices. So the reason I'm making choice and decision the topic of this episode is primarily because of the enormous weight that our choices gain as we age. By weight, I mean the amount of satisfaction versus regret that our choices accumulate. By weight, I mean the impact that our choices have on us and our sphere of influence. By sphere of influence, I mean those we hold dear in our lives, like our family members, long-term friends, colleagues, clients. So our choices are quite important. Not all choices are important. I will concede that, you know, which cereal you're going to eat in the morning, Cheerios or Honey Nut, whatever, or Fruit Loops, doesn't really have that big of a profound impact. What I'm talking about are choices along the lines of who we decide we're going to be in a day or what next adventure we're going to choose to give our time to. I think you can understand what kind of choices that I'm talking about. And really, I'm going to be all over the map today. I don't have a scripted kind of thing that I want to bring across, but I do want to talk about how important it is that when you're in your 40s and 50s, primarily, and you are considering your next adventure, just how important choice is. So let's geek out a little bit on the brain when it comes to choices and decision-making. I did a little Google search. I said, what happens to the brain just prior to making a choice? And that Google search brought up an article in the New York Post dated March 7th of 2019 by Mike Weiner. And it's entitled, Your Brain Makes Decisions Before You Even Realize It. Let me indulge me as I read this short article. You make countless decisions every day 
that range from mundane to incredibly important. But what part of you is actually making those decisions? We all assume that our brains are focused on whatever task we're tackling, but a new study suggests that your brain is actually working a few steps ahead all on its own, and it makes your decisions long before you consciously think about them. The study, which was published in Scientific Reports, reveals that when that we often think of as free will and our ability to make decisions on the fly isn't nearly as cut and dry. Because your brain, it turns out, might be running the show largely in the background. So let's talk about the experiment. It was fairly straightforward, tasking volunteers to decide between two patterns with different colors and orientations. Their brains were being monitored in an fMRI machine while the images flashed before their eyes and the researchers with this machine were able to match brain activity patterns with whatever choice the subject was making. Now that part isn't particularly surprising since scientists have long known that repeatable brain patterns can correlate with decision making. But what's interesting about this research is that the team found the participants brain activity could predict their eventual choices before the individual was even asked to make a choice. Professor Joel Pearson, co-author of the study, said, We believe that when we are faced with the choice between two or more options of what to think about, non-conscious traces of the thoughts are there already, a bit like unconscious hallucinations. As the decisions of what to think about is made, executive areas of the brain choose the thought trace which is stronger. In other words, if any pre-existing brain activity matches one of your choices, then your brain will more likely pick up that option as it gets boosted by the pre-existing brain activity. Let me repeat that. As the decision of what to think about is made, executive areas of the brain choose the thought trace which is stronger. In other words, if any pre-existing brain activity matches one of your choices, then your brain will be more likely to pick that option as it gets boosted by the pre-existing brain activity. Simply put, the path you're about to choose when you make a decision can sometimes be predetermined before you even actively consider your options. The researchers found that they could predict the outcome up to 11 seconds before the subject began to weigh their decision. And so, the researcher said, this would explain, for example, why thinking over and over about something leads to ever more thoughts about it as it occurs in a positive feedback loop. Interesting article. The brain moves very fast. Think of, you know, I'm thinking just out loud here and not scripted. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so the choices that I'm going to make pretty much are predetermined by how we've been thinking and how we've been making decisions in the past. That's pretty ominous. If I think about that myself, I'm thinking, you know, as I, contemplate decisions that will have large impacts on my life. 
in the future. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit deeper. So think about the decisions that you make and will make, you know, the, the significant decisions, the ones that carry so much weight. I wonder if the importance of contrarianism needs to be a part of our thinking as we get older. And what I mean by that is seeking out opinions that we don't agree with, forcing our brain when we're in the mode of decision-making to come up with crazy ideas, opposite ideas. Let's say you're trying to make a decision on whether or not to start a business, to turn maybe a hobby into a business. And everything within you says, yeah, go ahead and do it. Sounds great. What if you were at that point, just before pulling the trigger, you were to step back and say, no, that is the worst idea and here's why. Force yourself to be contrary to what you would normally say. Here's an example from my, my wife's shopping experience. She'll go to Target or whatever store and she might see a blouse. So she pulls it off the rack, looks at it, looks at the front, looks at the back, considers the color, considers the pattern. And she won't really make a decision right away. And so she'll put it in the cart and keep shopping. She calls it, I'm going to ride that blouse around for a while. She's going to ride it around. So after a while, looking at other things, getting this and that and the other, she will pull that blouse back up out of the cart and she'll look at it again. Time will have passed. She will have not consciously thought about the blouse. And there are times when she puts it back. There are times when she keeps it. That principle, I think, is what I'm trying to get across here. When we're considering choices that will have a big impact, it may not hurt to ride that decision around before you actually make it. And while you're riding it around, make the case that it's a bad decision. Or if it's a decision between two options, make your case for each option as a positive thing to pursue, and then make your case for each option that it's a horrible decision to make. I don't know. That's, that's what's just going on in my mind. If you're familiar with ChatGPT, it's an up-and-coming and very popular right now way of engaging with a an artificial intelligent algorithm that pulls together data based on what you tell it to do. So I went to ChatGPT and I typed in what happens in the brain just prior to making a choice. And this is some of what it said. Listen to this. We're still geeking out on the, the brain and what happens. The process of decision-making involves a complex interplay of different brain regions and neural networks. While the exact neural mechanisms underlying decision-making are still being studied and understood, there are several key brain regions and processes that are thought to be involved. One of the key regions in the brain involved in decision-making is the prefrontal cortex, which is located at the front of the brain. This region is responsible for high-order cognitive processes such as planning, reasoning, and decision-making. 
Prior to making a choice, the prefrontal cortex is thought to engage in a process of information gathering and evaluation in which it assesses the available options and weighs the potential outcomes of each choice. Another key region involved in decision-making is the basal ganglia. This is located deep within the brain, and it is thought to play a role in the selection and initiation of motor actions, as well as in the reinforcement of behaviors that lead to positive outcomes. Prior to making a choice, the basal ganglia are thought to integrate information from the prefrontal cortex and other brain regions in order to help guide the selection and execution of the chosen action. Other brain regions that may be involved in decision-making include the amygdala, which is involved in emotional processing, and the insula, which is involved in the processing of bodily sensations and the experience of empathy. These regions may play a role in shaping our perceptions and emotions related to available choices, which can in turn influence our decision-making process. Overall, the process of decision-making involves a complex interplay of neural networks and processes within the brain and is likely influenced by a wide range of factors, including our emotions, past experiences, and the environmental context in which we are making the choice. Seems like a lot goes on when we're making decisions. It seems like not only a lot going on in our brains, but we take in a lot of things externally as well. I've always heard that the human brain makes decisions emotionally and then backs it up rationally. I'm wondering what you think about that. What's your experience? I would like for you to actually weigh in on that. Just email me, coach at servingstrong.com. In the subject line, just put podcast question on decision-making or something like that, decision-making podcast. Let me know what you think. Do we really make decisions emotionally first and then back it up rationally? Very interesting. There Now, did some more research, and I looked into the process of make, making decisions in life that are influenced by psychological factors. Here are some of the key principles that I've discovered that can shape our decision-making. First of all, our perception. The perception that we have of the world around us is shaped by our past experiences. It's shaped by our expectations, our emotions, and our beliefs. And this can influence the way we interpret and process information that ultimately impacts the choices we make. So in other words, if your perception of the world is it's a dog-eat-dog world and you have to make a choice, then you're going to be heavily influenced by your perception that the world is a dog-eat-dog world, as opposed to the world is full of great people and there's a lot of good. You can see that your perception of the world around you has an influence on how you make choices. Another principle that can shape your decision-making is your motivation. 
We all have motivations. We're motivated to achieve certain goals or outcomes. And those motivations can influence and drive our decision-making. It can be influenced by internal factors like personal values and interests and desires and external factors like social pressures or rewards or punishments. These all influence our motivation. Another principle that might shape our decision-making is the biases that we hold in our brain. They're called cognitive biases. For example, there's a thing known as confirmation bias. The confirmation bias can lead you to seek out information that supports your existing beliefs, but then there are anchoring biases that can cause us to give undue weight to the first piece of information that we receive. So, what biases do you have that you have accumulated over 40 and 50 years plus? These biases have an impact on your decision-making. And, of course, we were born with emotions. The thing about emotions is there's nothing right or wrong about the emotions. They just are. We get angry. We get tired. We get melancholy. We get excited. We get scared. We get frightened. These are all emotions that are just part of life. While we can't ascribe any moral value to emotions, is really what we do with our emotions is where the morality of right and wrong comes into play. In other words, I can be angry, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if in my anger I lash out and degrade someone else, then my action is what can be determined to be good or bad. Fear is fear, period. Anger is anger, period. Now, all of these emotions also play a significant role in decision-making. For example, fear can cause you to avoid certain choices, while excitement might lead you to take risks. How, how many of you have made a choice out of excitement? You woke up the next morning and you had buyer's remorse, and you wondered, why in the world did I buy that thing last night at midnight on that commercial? It's because your emotion led you to the decision. And now you wake up in the morning and you've got this useless thing coming in the mail to you that you paid way too much money for that you will never use. But in the moment when you were watching that commercial about that item, your emotions took over and you made the choice based on emotions. Personality is another key principle that shapes our decision-making. For example, someone who is highly conscientious might be more likely to make decisions based on rational analysis and planning, whereas someone who is more impulsive would be more likely to make decisions based on gut feelings. Have you ever considered your personality? I like to look at personalities in light of two continuums. If you imagine a crosshairs and the horizontal line represents the continuum 
of your orientation. On one side, on one end of the continuum is orientation toward people. On the other end of the continuum is an orientation toward task. So you're either leaning toward a people orientation or a task orientation. You either enjoy and get your energy from being with people or you more likely get your energy and enjoy being involved in tasks. The vertical continuum has to do with the pace of life. On one end of the pace continuum is very fast. Fast decision-making, fast action, always doing something, always moving, always, you know, the, the person at that end of the spectrum or the continuum at the beach, for example, at a vacation, they'll spend the first day or two sitting on the beach reading a book, but then they've got to get up and do something. They have to go deep sea fishing or go shopping or whatever it is. On the other end of the pace spectrum or continuum is methodical. These are people who are slower to make decisions and they take into account a lot more input before they actually take action. So those two continuums, one is orientation, the other is pace. If you look at it in terms of a crosshairs, those people with personalities that are oriented toward people and are fast, these are the people that in our lives, they're in that quadrant of people fast and they love life. We need those people in our lives. We need someone who loves life and reminds us that there's more to life than just tasks and problems. If on the other hand, you are task oriented and fast paced, then that puts you in that quadrant where you are a fast paced task person. We need these people in our lives as well. These are, for example, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people who make things happen, movers and shakers. The third would be if you are task-oriented, but you're more methodical. So you're task-based methodical. These are the CPAs, the actuaries. This is the person you want doing your taxes. You certainly don't want the fast-paced people person doing your taxes. They'll round up to the nearest hundred or thousand just to get it done. But if you want it done right, and there are, and it's the type of task that requires exactness and perfection, then you want someone who is methodically paced, task-oriented. Then the fourth quadrant that is left is people-oriented, methodical. So slow-paced people, methodical-paced, people-oriented, these are your counselors, coaches. These are people who empathize with people, whereas the fast-paced person, people person, loves people as well. They're much more likely to engage in a lot of conversations with a lot of people. A methodical people person their orientation is more a few people and going much, much deeper. That's why counselors are so helpful because they empathize with us. So as you think about those four quadrants, fast-paced people, fast-paced task, methodical task, and methodical people, think about where you generally get 
your energy most of the time. We all have all, it's not A, B, C, or D. We all have all parts of all of these at times. But the best way to look at your personality is where am I likely to get my energy from more often? And I'll tell you, my quadrant is people methodical and task methodical. I'm actually in two quadrants. If you've ever taken the DISC personality assessment, there's D-I-S-C, which relates to those four quadrants I was talking about. D is dominant, and that's the fast-paced task. I in DISC represents influencer. That's the fast-paced people. S is the methodical people. That's steady. And then C stands for compliant, and that's the methodical-paced task people. I am off the chart, S and C, steady and compliant. What does all this have to do with decision-making? Well, I am going to bring my personality into my decision-making. That can be a good thing. It can also be a restricting thing. Being a high S and a high C, methodical task and people, this makes me very risk-averse. I don't like to take risks very often. So if a, an opportunity presents itself, and I am in a position to make a choice of what to do with that opportunity, I will likely take the less riskier choice, which may serve me well in some cases. It may also keep me from a greater influence on my life. Remember, we talked about this earlier. The reason we're talking about choice and decisions as the topic of this episode is because the enormous weight our choices gain as we age. Why is it that weight gains as we age as it relates to our choices? The ramifications of our choices carry more weight because we have less time to undo whatever we have chosen to do. So getting back to personality is another key principle that shapes our decision-making. It's important for you to sit and reflect on the continuums that I've presented here and then take a look at how those that personality influences how you make your choices. One final principle that can shape decision-making, and that's social influence. The opinions, the attitudes, the behaviors of those around us can really influence the decisions we make. As a sociologist, I can remember in one of my classes in college, we studied a case where someone was being beat up in the middle of an apartment, a very heavily populated apartment complex. No one went out to save that person. Everyone was waiting on someone else to make the first move. And so this person got beat up even while everyone in the apartment buildings were looking out their windows waiting for someone to take the first step. We are heavily influenced by the attitudes and behaviors of those around us. And this is heightened largely because we're in a social media environment now. We even go to a website to check a, a product that we're interested in buying and we'll go to the reviews. What are other people saying about this? 
go to Amazon, you'll be looking at a book or a series of books on a topic and you'll go down through and say, okay, which one has the most reviews and the highest stars? So we make decisions based on what other people are saying. That's not always a bad thing. You can ride that wave a little bit. However, I believe that a lot of people, me included, have actually made decisions because it's what we thought others thought we should do. It's a fascinating thing, that, you know, environment that we are living in. So I don't know. I'm rambling. I think it's interesting that our brain makes decisions before we even realize it. I think it's interesting the interplay of things within our brain that go on between the prefrontal cortex and the basal ganglia and so on. And I think it's interesting that how we perceive the world, how we're motivated, the cognitive biases that we have accumulated in our lives, our emotions, our personality, and our social influence all have a bearing on how we make decisions. My aim and my hope in this episode is that as you are in your third quarter and you are considering what you're going to do with the rest of your life, that you step back and you think about the choices that you are going to make from here on out and consider all that is going on when you make that choice. Maybe in a future episode, we'll talk about how to go about actually making choices. Stay tuned. We may talk about that in a future episode. I'm glad that you stuck with me this far. I love to talk about this stuff. If you're interested in carrying the conversation, just send me a, an email, coach at servingstrong.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'll see you on the next episode. This has been another episode of the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast. I take your time very seriously. Therefore, my pledge is to continue bringing you information and insight you need to be successful in your adventure as you finish strong. Be sure to check the show notes for the information related in this episode. Subscribe to be notified when new shows drop and leave a review if you're so inclined. I'll talk to you next time. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.